Good to see y'all. By the way, uh, that beautiful couple that did the welcome, they are the Perrys. If y'all don't know them yet, Ruben and Jenna Perry, they are awesome, and they've become really, really great friends for Jackie and I. So thank you so much for doing the welcome and bringing us all into a place where uh, we just feel at home and togetherness. So uh, here we are at the finale of our Ephesians talk that we've been going. This has been a nine-week series where we've been able to really dig into the letter that Paul wrote to this city, to the church at Ephesus. And it's been a week where we've been able to see that the, or it's been a, a series where we've been able to see the overall theme uh, in this letter that we've seen is life together in Jesus. And our goal was to look at this first century church and really try to pick up on their lifestyle and their practice of doing life together all under the love and authority of Jesus. And so by this time, uh, when Paul was penning this letter, uh, during, uh, during this particular time in the first century, we know that Jesus has already kind of reacclimated to his heavenly home. Like he moved back in right to his house. He was taking the plastic off of all the furniture and getting everything ready to go. He probably tried to turn on his car, but the battery wasn't working because we know that if your car is idle too long, then it's not going to work and the battery is going to be dead. So, you know, he was down here for 33 years. So uh, he went back up and he's back in his heavenly home while Paul was writing this letter. But even still, Paul reminds us that, that still Jesus is the head of the church here on earth. And so Paul is talking and, and sharing with the, uh, the, uh, the Ephesian church in the city of Ephesus, and he's saying, hey, y'all are doing a stellar job. Like, you're doing really, really great over there. There's rumors coming out of your town, and they're telling me that you guys and ladies love Jesus so much, and you love one another, that your church is growing by droves, and, and you're, you're expanding God's kingdom there in your city, and y'all are thriving together. And so Paul says, hey, I want you guys to keep it up. And so then he goes and he shares with them some more principles on how to keep thriving together and really take this life together up to the next level. I really hope that in your personal lives as well, that uh, whether you're a student or you're already kind of back uh, in, your, in the thick of your careers or really uh, steep in a retirement, I hope that you know that there's always more and there's always better. Like, do you, do you know what I'm saying? Maybe uh, you're, you're at work and, and your boss keeps telling you that, uh, that you're doing really, really great and you're getting all of these accolades. Maybe that's the season of your career right now. Or as you go back to school uh, and you start, and, you know, the teacher comes to you and says, hey, you're crushing it. You're on track to be like a 4.0 student. These are great. And I hope that when you get these compliments, that we remain humble and that it, it causes us to want to serve even harder. Because you see this church that we're looking at uh, in the city of Ephesus, they could have been like, yeah, Paul, trust me, we know. We know that we're crushing it. We're looking at the growth metrics and it's off the charts. So we know that we're doing something right and that we're doing something really good. So let me know if you ever need me to come and speak at one of your conferences so that I can teach other people how to grow a church, you know, and maybe even say like, hey, my speaking fee is like $10,000. Wouldn't that be nice? But that's not what's happening here in the city of Ephesus. 
I, get, I really get the idea that they, they're probably under the impression that the other churches around them are just doing the same thing, that the other Christian churches are just living out their call to love God and to love others as they love themselves, and then going out and sharing this good news with all those around them. I, I don't know if they really knew that the neighboring churches around them, that, that those church leaders uh, were actually sleeping around. Some of them were being swingers or getting plastered over the weekend, and they were allowing false worship to come into their churches as they were worshiping God side by side. Maybe they did know that, or maybe they didn't. But it's obvious that when you read this letter, that the Ephesians were just doing the will of the Father. They weren't seeking fame or notoriety. They weren't trying to become you know, famous in their own right. All they were trying to do was make their Savior famous. And so in light of this, you and I, uh, we've gone over several different principles of how we as Alamo Hills Church, how we can mirror this community that we've read about in this letter as we live together in Jesus. And so we started with, in week one, praying together. And then we moved on to being united together and then learning, working, worshiping. And then a couple of weeks ago, uh, I gave the talk about submitting to, together. And I was, it was really awkward for me to give that talk. I was a little uncomfortable. So thankfully, Oliver wasn't here that weekend. So we actually didn't get that message recorded. So nobody can ever listen to that again, which is probably an okay thing. And then last week, it was standing together. Standing together in prayer, this is when we started our 21 days of prayer. We're already a week in. I really do hope and pray that this has been very fruitful for your lives. And it's not too late to start. If you haven't yet, just jump right in and let's go over the, the next 21 days together and however many days we have left. And so today, we're looking at our finale, the finale of Paul's letter. It's this blessing that he gave to the church. And, and more traditional churches, they call this the benediction. And so as we've journeyed together as a church in this letter, I, I really find it fascinating how God just continues to prove to us, you know, that he's really the one who's in control all along the way. And here's what I mean by that. So Alamo Hills, I didn't think up this uh, sermon series over the summer. I was actually talking with a friend of mine named Cameron, who is pastoring a church up in Dallas where Jackie and I uh, came from. And he said, hey, we're going to be going over Ephesians this summer. I was like, hey, can I go ahead and jump in with you? I think that would be really great for our church. We're young, so it would be really great to, to see how they did life together in crisis. So we jumped right in doing the sermon series with them. And then if you'll remember our kids' fun camp, uh, their theme was when life is wild, when life isn't fair, when, when life gets tough, God is still good. And then we, we started up our small groups, and, and, and a very brand new, we're going to kick them all off in September, uh, but in our small group, we were going over this curriculum called Starting Point, and the way that they ended was talking about, okay, now let's take the next step together and serve our local church community. And so we talked about how we were going to serve one another in this new phase of life that God is calling our church into. And I, I don't think I would have believed you, actually. If somebody would have told me six weeks in uh, to this message series that, that we would be worshiping on Sunday mornings in a new venue, I mean, I just wouldn't have believed you. I would have definitely branded you as a false prophet and said, you don't know what you're talking about. But here we are. 
And just like we had talked about in our sermon series and at the kids' fun camp and even in Starting Point, here we are, and we're standing together. We're continuing to thrive in Jesus with one another. And maybe our foundation might have been a little bit shaky, but when your foundation is on the rock, your house can surely shake, but it will not crumble when you're on the rock. So as we close this series, let's not forget what Paul tells us to do, how he encourages us to thrive together in Jesus, to thrive as a church that's currently, Alamo Hills is currently very healthy. And as a church, we're going to remain healthy as we grow even stronger with one another. Amen? Amen. I truly believe that, and I know it to be the case. And so you've heard me say it before, that this letter that Paul wrote, and you know, it wasn't addressed to like a particular church. Paul left it kind of vague, and I think for a reason. I think that maybe Paul wanted any church in this entire metroplex of Ephesus to be able to pick up his letter and see the relevance in their local church community, their local congregation or house church, wherever they were worshiping together. You see, the, the audience was wide in scope, uh, not really specific, uh, but that is until we get here to the final conclusion. See, Paul starts to get really personal. And, and for me, when I read his words, I can kind of see the pain that he's feeling as he's closing up this letter. You see, Paul, at this point in time, he's starting to get really, really old. And not only that, he's been attacked physically and mentally by the Romans. He's actually sitting in a jail cell as he's writing this letter, and all he can think about are his children. This, the many families of faith that, that came out of, of his ministry and the churches that he's founded, he sees, he sees them as his children, and he's able to now see them flourish. And all he could think about in his pain and really his impending death sentence, all he can think about is others. I wonder if maybe have you met anyone like that before in your life? I know that I have, and I constantly meet folks like this as well. Like, for example, uh, last Sunday, I went with another leader here in our church to go visit our beloved Connie. Um, she, uh, if you remember, several weeks ago, she had triple bypass surgery, and she's well into her 80s, and, and she's recovering very well, uh, very lovely, but I did just get a report that she is um, heading back to the hospital, so we'll definitely keep her in our prayers as she continues to recover. Uh, but I, I truly believe that God wants this woman to live well into her 80s. But her daughter, uh, her daughter Darlie, who uh, leads our prayer team here at Alamo Hills, she's been uh, by her mom's side the whole time. And so anyway, whenever I went to go visit Connie last week, laid up in her bed looking really nice and comfy, uh, you know, she didn't even give me a chance to ask her how she was doing. Uh, the first thing she asked was, hey, Hey, Pastor Roy, how is my baby girl? How is Vera doing? And you know that it took me like three seconds or less to pull up my phone and start showing her one too many videos and pictures of, of Vera trying to walk. And, and, and it, she kind of got teary-eyed at that moment of thinking that she would not be able to see uh, Vera take her first steps. And so I assured her that uh, we would be bringing Vera over really soon so that she can see, uh, see this ba her baby girl, as she, called, as she called our daughter. 
You know, she's still healing after major heart surgery. She's still feeling pain in her body. And all she can think about was how Vera was doing. Like, what selflessness. And then I went also that day to go visit another leader here in our church who was in the hospital, and he hadn't been able to see us worshiping here at Diol. And so before I was even able to see how he was doing, all he wanted to hear about was how Alamo Hills is continuing to thrive in our new worship location. I mean, I had to force the conversation so that I could be their pastor and really kind of do my job to pray over them, to know what to pray for them about. I had to force the conversation their way to see how they were doing. Have you ever met anyone who's like that? You see, Paul, he spends pages upon pages caring for his family at this church in Ephesus, encouraging them in the faith that he has imparted in them, all the way to the final end. And then he says, at the end of his letter, he says, oh, by the way, see, we're not going to focus on me, Paul says. We're not going to focus on how I'm doing right now. See, Tychius, he's going to come and he'll fill you in and all the crazy things that's been going on in my life. But most importantly, Paul says, Tychius is coming to you. I'm sending him to you, more importantly, to encourage you so that you can be strengthened in Jesus. And so right here, Paul leaves us with four hopes, four hopes in these, in these two short verses that we're going to be looking at together. It says it right here, starting in verse 23. He wrote, peace to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to all who love our Lord Jesus with undying, uh, other uh, interpretations say uh, immortal love. So Paul leaves us with four things, peace love, faith, and grace. And so what I would love to do is just take the next few moments and, and go over these four points together. I promise it won't be very long. So as we do, uh, the first one is peace. He says, peace to the brothers and sisters. See, we have peace together in Jesus. See, uh, peace between others, really, whose society and even our family or our upbringing tells us that we're supposed to be estranged from, we find peace in Christ together. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 20, this is where Paul talks about the reconciliation that's happened between Jews and Gentiles worshiping God together. And the Ephesian church is doing just that on their own. I could really, in this, in this section of his writing, I could this is where I can see the pain through his words because he so wants to be able to go and visit this church. He wants to see this beautiful picture of the Ephesian church filled with Jews and Gentiles worshiping God together under the exact same roof because Paul, he's been preaching this to the churches that he's founded and he's telling them that in Christ, there is no male or female. There's no distinction between Jews and Gentiles. See, those were really, really scathing statements to say in this first century world. And even 21 centuries later, it's still really scathing today. See, when we hear the word of God coming forward to us, my hope is that you don't look at me as a man or if there was a woman up here that you don't look at her as a female, but you look at that person as just a person of faith just like you. 
Uh, when you hear me preach, I hope you don't think, ah, oh, he's pretty decent for a Hispanic or an Indian or a Mongolian. I don't really know what he is. Uh, trust me, I've heard it all, all over the world. In China, everyone thought I was Mongolian until they, and I don't even know what Mongolians look like, to be quite honest with you, except for Disney characters. But anyway, I've heard it all. See, I am a person of God, called by God, affirmed by God, and affirmed by you guys to, to be able to share with you whatever God has put on my heart. And the Ephesian church, see, they're doing this. Again, there's Jews and Gentiles enjoying one another's fellowship and friendship with one another. They're worshiping God together. It's a beautiful thing. Racial barriers are beginning to become broken. You can also remember Jesus talking about this. Remember the story of the woman at the well. She was a Samaritan, and this story is found in John chapter 4. Remember, the Samaritans were hated by the Jews. Like the Jews thought that the Samaritans were just absolute scum and they were disgusted by their sight. And Jesus right here, he reconciled that relationship and he elevated them. He elevated the Samaritans and validated them to join this equal status in the family of God. This would be one of the reasons why the Jewish leaders would seek to murder the Christ. And he knew that they were going to use this against him, and he still did it. You see, Paul's talking about no longer Jew or Gentile, black or white, male or female, Democrat or Republican. Or dare I say, I'm probably not going to say it, but you could just open up the news stories and you'll probably know where I was headed. See, we are reconciled together as one, co-equal in the family of Christ. And, and that picture right there, that is the peace of God. That's what uh, the Old Testament talks about shalom. This is the shalom community that God was talking about. And don't we need God's peace because there is so much unrest in this world. There's so much hate going on. We're in, a, we're in an us versus them kind of world today. And this, that is not the way of the church. That is not the way of the Christian. And so I hope that we wouldn't even think to dare act like anything other than the Savior living inside of us. I hope that we don't dare to get caught up in this hate that society is trying to spill out around us. See, Paul is telling us, He's saying, hey, if you consider yourself a Christian, then by God, you better look to Jesus so that you can look like Jesus. Do you know what I'm saying? Look to Jesus so that you can look like Jesus. Paul, he wrote a letter to the Galatians, and it's, it's in uh, chapter 3, verse 28, where he wrote, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. What incredible freedom! And peace that we get in Christ that we get to live in and spread out to those around us. So the second thing that Paul left us with is love. He wrote, and love with faith from God the Father, grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with undying and immortal love. So Paul, in this short little segment, he wrote three times, three different ways to love in this segment. The first is love with faith from God. And then he said, be a people of love in the Lord. And lastly, have this undying, immortal love. 
As you read through Paul's letters, he actually wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, and I'm sure that he wrote even more letters that were unfortunately not saved for us to be able to look at today. But through Paul's writing, in all of his letters, he is saturated with this idea, practice, and theology of love. And so my hope really is that every time I get to join up here and speak to you, that you are encouraged in love and that you're encouraged to really live out that love. I would actually be really happy if one of the criticisms against the messages that I'm able to give is that, man, all this dude talks about is love all the time, you know, because that actually worked pretty well for Jesus and and for Paul, except for the fact that they uh, died like horrible, gruesome deaths, which I kind of don't want to happen in my life. I would love to die peacefully you know, just kind of fall asleep with all my loved ones around me. That would be really nice. But I guess if I have to die in that way, I would for the cause of the gospel. That's just not what I would choose. But you see, when we read the scriptures and we see Paul talking about this kind of love, it wasn't like that warm, fuzzies, kind of PDA, Nicholas Sparks kind of love. You know what I mean? It wasn't like fanatical or romanticized, but it was a love that suffered through the cross of Jesus. It was love that carried Paul to his martyrdom, of him giving up his life for the advancement of Jesus. See, that right there is strong and compassionate Love. It's the agape love that Paul has been talking about all throughout this letter. Uh, The love that, that loves God and loves others as we love ourselves to the point of extreme selflessness. And Paul, he calls us out on this. Earlier in the letter, remember, he talks about our normal life, our home life interaction. He says, married folks, y'all better be showing this agape love. Kids and parents, you better be showing this agape kind of love. In human and spiritual interactions, Paul is calling us to a higher calling to live out and work out this agape love in the way that we live. This peace and love. Peace and love, they go hand in hand with one another. They're a result of each other. And so friends, I hope that when we look at other people, folks that live on the other side of the tracks, uh, folks that maybe live outside of the Alamo Ranch bubble like me, uh, folks who maybe live on the east side of San Antonio or even from a different country, I hope that we start to look at them as these co-equals in the family of God and that we begin to really love them because when we do, that's when we're going to experience this peace and this shalom that Paul talks about. See, that's the way of the church. That's the way of the Christian, of you and of me. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, Paul wrote, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. He wrote, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Bearing with one another in love. That right there, that is our calling. That is our purpose Our purpose is to love. And so as we move on to Paul's third point, we see that peace, love, and then faith comes. And faith comes from God. So when Paul wrote to the Galatians in chapter 5, verse 6, he said, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. 
So right here, what Paul is saying is that he's saying, hey, don't get hung up on all of these kind of outward religious rituals that we do and that we love. I mean, these are really important things, but he says, don't stress out about like when is the age of accountability for somebody to be able to be baptized or whatever that even means. Or in worship, there's some folks that love raising their hands. Like I love to jump around a little bit and kind of get my blood flowing, but others like to just sit or stand and allow God's presence to soak into their lives. Paul's basically saying, cool. Yeah, whatever you wanna do. Paul right here, he's saying that's not the main thing. And so he tells us what the main thing is. It's that this faith that you say you have, you gotta live it out in action. You gotta express it, act on it, and always in love, peace, love, and faith, they're all made possible through this Trinitarian relationship of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. See, it's possible even in this life where we stand today in this day and age for the church to lead the way in bringing God's love, bringing his peace and faith to our world. It's possible. It's possible when we remain connected to the source when we remain connected to God. And as we do, I want you to just watch and see this peace come over your home, uh, your work life, your school. This is why it's so important for us to connect in the 21 days of prayer, because that's us connecting to the source. Every single day connecting as a church together. And as we do, watch this love increase in and through you and that love to prove the faith that you have. Finally, Paul says, grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with immortal love. Really, the richness of that one sentence is so thick. I mean, I think we can even spend weeks just uncovering what Paul is talking about right here. Because Paul is basically doing like a salvation call right here. Uh, and here's what I mean by that. See, he's closing up this letter by doing what we're, what we're taught to do in school. Like when we're taught to write essays, how, how we have our main point right. And then at the conclusion, we kind of revisit the main point and support it. And so his main point here is grace. He's going back. Back to Ephesians chapter 1 uh, and looking at verses 7 through 8. He says, In Christ we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. And this is what I love. It says that he has lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. You see, in God's grace, in the grace of God, he has lavished grace all over us. He's lavished us on all people. You see, and it's unearned. We can't work towards it. We can't work for it. There's no wage that God kind of hands out like on Sunday mornings. He's not going to pay you for a job well done uh, whenever you do a good deed. See, Paul says that those of us who have this love, Paul says that those of us who have this love, <laughs> it's all right. Paul says that those of us who have this love, we experience immortal, incorruptible, and perfect love. Let me say that again as George, uh, you can start playing behind me. Again, Paul says that those of us who have this love, we really get to experience this immortal, this immortal, eternal 
love that's incorruptible and it's perfect. And so in our imperfection, in our imperfection, the imperfect love that we give to God, see, it's stained and wrinkled because we're still human. So the imperfect love that we give to God, it's out of a response of this perfect love that he's given to us through his redemption, through the redemption in his blood. See, we get this forgiveness of sins because of the riches of God's grace that's really flossing all over us. It's flourishing all around us. And like Rihanna once said, you know, we all begin to shine bright like diamonds. And there's probably some geeks in here that say diamonds don't shine, they just reflect. But you get where Rihanna and I are trying to go. He said, Paul is saying we, we live and we move and we have our being. And it's because of the riches of God's grace that we get to experience this immortal, eternal love of God here, right now even in this place. See, we live in this freedom that Christ, he so freely gives to us and we live together united in Jesus, shining bright. We're uh, we're united through, through the four things, through peace, eternal love, faith, and overflowing grace. And so Paul says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received from the Lord Jesus. And so I would love for us to take a moment and just pray, pray together that God would give us a greater measure of his spirit so that we can live our life worthy of his call in our lives. If you've never stopped and surrendered your life to Jesus, I hope that you would today. I hope that you would surrender to God's word and that even through this word that we've been sharing, that you see what you're missing, that this life is a life that's filled with immeasurable, immortal love that goes on for eternity and starts even now and today. And so would all of us accept this love even over and over and over again? Let's enter into a time of prayer and just ask for that extra measure of God's spirit and grace uh, over our lives. Would you bow your heads with me so we can pray? God, I love you so much. We are so grateful for the love that you have shown us. Thank you for this letter that was preserved God, it was by your hand that this letter was preserved so that in 2019, we as a community of faith can still pick it up and live after this call that you have given us, God. It seems simple. It's just to love, right? But God, that is so hard in the face of so much strife and anger and road rage in my own life. It's hard to love 24-7. God, so that's why we need your spirit. We need your guidance, God. Would you, for for those friends of mine who have not received your spirit, for those who have not received your salvation, this overwhelming grace that you talk about, God, would we open up our hearts to you and receive it now? There's no magical words to say. It's just the surrender to this immeasurable love. So God, I ask that we would do that now. And if, even if we have, would we ask for a greater measure? Would you increase us, God? Would you take us to the next level?
Would you give us the strength and the courage to share our faith, even if not through words, but God, even through action, most importantly through action, God, so that we can reflect your love and shine bright like a diamond, God, reflect you, reflect your light everywhere we go, God. Thank you for everyone who's here this morning. Would you bless them? Would you keep them? Would you strengthen them? Would you help them? Would you heal them? Would you guard and protect us, Father? Lord, thank you for this facility. Thank you for Diol. Would you bless their business, God, as they are being a blessing to our church, Father? Thank you for our kids that are sharing the room with us. God, I love hearing their voices. It just reminds me of of how you called the children to come and be with you, even to travel with you and come and experience your love as we journey together, Father. So would you bless our time together as we go from this place? In Jesus' name, amen. We are very much over time. That was a long sermon, I apologize. So um, I would still like for us to spend maybe a moment Um, as the band plays over us um, and just spend time with Jesus, right? Just kind of give yourself a moment to soak in God's word, his spirit, and his love, and even to surrender to him. So we'll take just a few moments uh, to do that, maybe a minute or two, uh, and I'll come back up and, um, and give us a final blessing. The lamb is overcome, amen. Anything that we go through in our life, anything that we will go through, the Lamb has already overcome it in your life, and we live in victory. Just stay connected to the source. Stay connected to God. Amen? Well, as you go from this place, know that you are the church everywhere you go, and so share God's love with someone today, this week. We can't wait to see you next week. Again, if you haven't been able to start the 21 days of prayer, that's okay. You're just a week behind. They're real short, so you can catch up real quick. Um, Go on our social media online as well. You can see where the link is. It's just in the Bible app. Or ask me or anybody really with an Alamo Hills shirt a shirt on, I guess. Um, Now, if you want to join me for lunch um, and we haven't been able to hang out yet, or even if we have, um, and you haven't gone through next steps, I would love to have lunch with you. Um, We'll start that in about 30 minutes so that I can help tear down some as well. Um, And it's just next door at the Bandera Road Cafe. Uh, We're buying some breakfast tacos, so we'll have some uh, tacos available for you. And of course, there's a full menu if you'd like something different. So I hope that we can have lunch together. If we haven't, if not, bring a friend next week, and I'll see you then. Love you guys. Have a great week.